0: Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Lauren Namy. Today, I'm joined by Lynn Neary, a correspondent covering books and publishing for National Public Radio. Lynn hosted Weekend All Things Considered for eight years and helped develop NPR's first ever religion beat. You can also regularly hear Lynn as a guest host on NPR programs. Welcome, Lynn. Good to be here. Good to have you. Uh, let's just start a little bit by talking about your background. You were born and raised in Crestwood, New York, and then you got your bachelor's degree in English here at Fordham, is that right? That's right, yeah. And uh, I got to ask a uh, student at Fordham here now, has the campus changed since you were here? It has changed, and it's, it's an interesting
1: combination of change and um, remaining the same because you've added Dorms, in particular,ly I noticed the dorms uh, over near where the train tracks uh, are, and the new library, um, and that area is really interesting because uh, the dorms are beautiful, the library is beautiful. It's 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 a great addition, and yet it didn't feel like it uh, really detracted from what was already there. It really still looks very beautiful there, in very open space, which is what I remember.
0: Yeah, those were just put up this year. I like them a lot. Uh, And then after Fordham, you were a news anchor for a radio station in North Carolina. How did that come about?
1: Well, that was my first radio job. I'd actually been out of Fordham for a while when I did that. It took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do in life. So um, I eventually uh, hit upon radio news as uh, something I was interested in, and I started looking for a job, and I uh, saw an advertisement for this job in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and... um, I really had no experience whatsoever. I had some background in acting, so I, I felt like I could get on the radio and talk. And I sent them a tape, and they liked the way I sounded. And I said, "Well, you know, if you'll let me come down and uh, learn how to do journalism here, then uh, I'm willing to go." And uh, that's that's what happened. And why journalism? What what did you like about journalism? Well, it was interesting. As I said before, I it took me a while to figure out exactly what I wanted to do, and then finally. Um, And just before I went into radio, I was studying acting. And I really loved acting, but um, it bothered me that I wasn't doing something more socially responsible. And I realized that I needed to do something that I felt like had some kind of, you know, I guess, lasting impact or some kind of uh, effect on society. And journalism seemed to answer that uh, that part of my uh, yearning, I guess. I knew I was a pretty good writer. I knew that, as I said, I could, I could uh, perform, I'd get on the air. And so I kind of put those three things together, and that's how I came up with um
0: uh, radio news. And then after working at some smaller stations, you ended up working for NPR. What was that transition like? Uh, well, in between, when, uh, the first station I worked at in, in uh, North Carolina, WRMT, was a commercial station.
1: And I really um, didn't know anything about public radio at that time, but a friend of mine told me, uh, I think you'd be good in public radio. So I started sort of paying attention. And um, one afternoon, one very sort of gray, cold rainy afternoon in North Carolina. I was sitting in my uh, apartment and I had the radio on and uh, all of a sudden I heard um, this woman's voice come on and she was doing a talk show from the White House. And she was at that time it was Jimmy Carter was the president and she was doing a talk show with Jimmy Carter. And I thought, what is that? That is amazing. And it was uh, the first time I ever heard NPR it was Susan Stanberg, who was the first host of uh, all things considered and uh, and that really got me intrigued by it. So I started looking for a job in public radio. I got a job at uh, w s u in Columbus, Ohio, and I was there for a couple of years and From Columbus, I went to NPR in washington and um, by that time i 'd had about three to four years experience in my belt so under my belt. So I felt, uh, uh, I felt okay going into NPR. Um, but you know, it was just very exciting, because now I was reporting, I was actually uh, a newscaster. But here I was at a national news organization, we were reporting news on a national and international level. Um, I became a newscaster uh, uh, just before the Falkland Wars broke out. Um, and uh, as uh, Beirut was under siege at that time. And um so it was a very, it was it was kind of scary because here I was reporting on these major international events, uh, but it was really thrilling also.
0: And so, what inspired you to go into public radio was All Things Considered, and then you ended up hosting Weekend All Things Considered, right? Yes, yeah. What exactly. was that like? Uh,
1: well, that was a great job. I loved hosting Weekend All Things Considered. It was so much fun. Um, my first co-host was a guy named Alex Chadwick. Uh, who I think is one of the best uh, writers who ever uh, worked at NPR. He's not there right now, but, um, and he was just a very, we had a very creative crew at that time. It was small, much smaller than it is now. Um, but we just were a very creative group of people and, um and then I stayed on, after Alex left, I stayed on for another few years. And uh, at that time, I guess it was during that time that some, some major uh, events in the world were happening, the, the, the fall of communism, the release of Nelson Mandela, uh, the Tiananmen Square Massacre. All these things happened while I was hosting Weekend, all things considered. Um, and uh, it was just extraordinary to uh, be able to report on these things.
0: And tell me about developing NPR's first religious beat. We re- I want to correct you because we it's really a
1: religion beat, and I I make that correction because um, if you say it's a religious beat, then it sounds like you yourself are religious, uh, whereas. Really, I'm covering religion, and um, I make that distinction because a lot of times people would refer to it as the religious beat, and we always wanted to say no, we're we're not we're not this doesn't because we're covering religion doesn't uh, uh, say one thing or another about uh, what our faith is or what our beliefs is. We want to be able to look at religion um, uh, both. from a cultural perspective uh, and a faith perspective, and also from a political perspective um, so it was it was really fascinating because it allowed me to um, to do reporting on politics in, uh, because it was at a time when uh, it was in the nineties and I was reporting on the intersection of religion and politics and the influence of um, conservative uh, uh religious conservatives on uh, the politics of the country on the republican party. That was one part of it. The other part of it was i think more sort of feature reporting on people of different faiths and I, that was it was very fascinating it was kind of uh, almost i felt like an anthropologist when I would go in and to different uh uh houses of worship and, uh, and uh, learn about what people were believing in and why and what, it, what religion meant to them.
0: So a program about religion, not a religious program.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And did you or do you have a particular interest in religion? Yes,
1: I've I've always, you know, I was raised Catholic, obviously, and uh, well, not necessarily, obviously, but yes, I was raised Catholic. I uh, went to Catholic school for uh, my entire life. Um, So I've always uh, had an interest in it. And Lots of questions about it and many struggles about it uh, through the years. And uh, so it's, it's, it's always been a subject that I've found kind of fascinating, what people believe in and why and how it affects the way they act in the world.
0: And Lynn, now as an arts correspondent, you cover books and publishing and get to interview authors. Is that something that you've always wanted to do? Uh, well, you know, it just,
1: it's, very, it's a very natural progression. It wasn't something that I set out to do, uh, but uh, at one point I was on the arts desk, and at one point my editor came and said, uh, we really are deciding that we want to have a beat, uh, a book beat, a books beat, and a publishing beat, somebody to cover publishing, because the business is going through big changes right now. And it, it was interesting because as soon as she said it, I thought, Oh yeah, it makes total sense for me to do that because I've always done book interviews uh, throughout the time that I've been on inter- on NPR, you know, as a host and uh even as a reporter on the arts desk, I I was the one who probably um did the most book pieces. So, um it just felt like it just felt like a natural thing for me to do. It's not something I actually sought out, but once it was proposed to me, I liked the idea a lot.
0: I find that interesting because you majored in English and then you went to journalism and now it's come full circle back to English. It's like your career now is a culmination of everything that you've done. Well, it does
1: feel it is it is it is great that it that it is uh, happening right now because um uh It does feel exactly as you said, that I've come full circle and doesn't it make total sense for an English major to be doing this? Um, It's a lot of fun because I I get to – I mean, the part of it that's really fun is getting to talk with uh, authors that I've loved over the years. Um, I mean, some of the people I've talked to in the last few years, Barbara Kingsolver, and she, for instance, was really fun for me because I interviewed her, if not for her first novel – perhaps the second novel. I'm not sure which one it was, but very early on in her career, before anybody had ever heard of her, I interviewed her when I was hosting Weekend All Things Considered. So then... When her latest novel, The Lacuna, came out, I went to and interviewed her in Virginia. And it was just great to meet her, this author that I've been sort of following her career. um, One of my favorite books is The Poisonwood Bible by her. So I also uh, got to to spend a day with Anne Patchett, the author of Bel Canto, another one of my favorite novels. So it's just wonderful to be able to say, I think I'd like to talk to, you know, I'd like to talk to uh, uh, Ann Patchett and, and be able to do so. It's it's great.
0: I'm Lauren Namey on 90.7 W F U V, speaking with NPR correspondent for her books and publishing Lynn Neary about her successful career in journalism. Stay with us; more Forney conversations is ahead.
2: Corporate underwriting on WFUV is an ideal way to spread the word about your business or organization, and you're providing crucial support that WFUV needs.
0: My name is C. I am the center director at the YMCA Bolton Center for the Performing Arts in Bayshore, Long Island. Since we have been underwriting on a continuous
1: basis, we have really seen the numbers grow. The audience started to come in, and our audience members are smart. They're very serious about their music, and they're also
0: WFUV members.
2: To get more information on how your business can become a corporate underwriter, call Sherry rosen at 718-817-4554 or email us at underwriting at WFUV.org. Hi, I'm George Boldarki. New York City is full of surprises, and we love discovering them each week on Cityscape. It's a show we like to describe as an exploration of the people, places, and spirit of New York. Listen for it Saturday mornings at 730, right after Fordham Conversations. You never know what we'll discover.
0: I'm Lauren Naimi for Fordham Conversations, here with NPR correspondent Lynn Neary. Lynn, my producer Katie Moore went around Fordham's Rose Hill campus to find out what questions students have about journalism and the radio industry. So I'd like to play each of them and have you respond if that's okay. That's great.
2: Hi, my name is Barrett Holen. I'm a senior at Fordham College. I'm a biology major. And my question is, how do you think that the radio industry has changed since you started at NPR?
1: Well, radio, like all of the media, is changing a great deal. And of course, the change is coming from the fact that um the digital media is so important now um, so uh, we are all reporting not just for radio but we're also being asked to uh to write for our website um you know that's that's a big change because uh all along I've always been just doing radio stories and I've never really been a print journalist well when you write for um the website it it has to feel a little bit of print journalism and that's that's a that's a really different uh, way of uh, looking at things sometimes so I've had to make that kind of a, an adjustment uh, radio itself I think um, in general the news has become m- overall you know it's a 20 every it, it, it's cliche but it's a 24/7 news cycle um, and that's true across all platforms we have to really it moves very fast um, and it has to be constantly updated um, and you know there can be one story that everybody just Sort of goes after uh, for a week and then it disappears. Uh, some of this is some of this is um, stuff that we should be a little careful about too. I think like the the stories that suddenly appear and then um, we report on them like crazy and then all of a sudden we move on to the next thing very quickly. I think that's something that journalists have to be a little bit careful about.
0: Hi, my name is Michelle Hardy and I'm a communications major. And my question is. How has the pervasiveness of social media affected the way you gather news at NPR? And also, do you believe that there's overemphasis on the importance of incorporating social media within traditional platforms?
1: Well, one way that social media is good is people are using social media to uh, to find sources, um, uh, particularly if you're doing a story that uh, where you want to talk with um, regular, you know, where, where you want to talk with members of the public about a particular issue, you might want to uh, find a family who um, uh, has been affected, for instance, by uh, the economy in a negative way, perhaps by uh, uh, housing foreclosures, perhaps by unemployment. Um, well, you can, you can actually use some of the social media to you know, to tweet to say you're looking for those kinds of uh, interviews, or uh, to go on Facebook and and uh, say this is what you're working on, and does anybody know anybody that would be good to uh, talk to about that? So that it's very helpful in that way. Um, um, I myself am not on tw- on Twitter, so I don't really use Twitter uh, at all. But um, and I think it's I think the whole I'm. I just can't comment on Twitter. I don't use it really.
0: <laughs> yeah, we had FUV just started a Twitter and it's uh it's a little overwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> I I
1: mean there's so many things you have to stay on top of. Um you know, just staying on top of all of the different websites uh that pertain to whatever it is you're reporting on. I just I can't Twitter is is, is one that I haven't really gotten involved with yet, I have to say. Uh, Hi, my name is Travis Marmara. I'm a junior with a marketing major and a communications minor. And my question for you is, uh, what have you learned from Fordham that has helped you in your current occupation? Well, as we've mentioned a few times, I was an English major. Um, And I've always loved reading books. But I think what I really got at Fordham was um, an ability to write a paper. And that ability to write a paper, I think uh, I've been able to transfer into an ability to write a story. I think I'm pretty good at um, structuring a story so that uh, it makes sense and people will listen to it and it's entertaining and it has uh, something to say. And I think I actually learned how to do that at Fordham.
2: I'm Jeffrey Mullings. I'm a psychology major, communications minor, and I am 20. I'm graduating in 2011. And my question is what story was a hallmark of your career?
1: <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. Um, I got to think about that cuz there's, you know, there's 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 several that I could go to, I guess. Um, going back a ways, I've been telling people today about um, uh, uh, Story that I reported on when I was hosting Weekend All Things Considered, uh, where I went to um, the highlands of Mexico and reported on the Mayan communities there. Um, in particular, I remember meeting these Mayan women who um, do the most extraordinary weaving, and each town has a different kind of weaving, and the weaving means something. And it was just, uh, it was just a spectacular. Uh, Trip. It was it was just fascinating to delve into a culture that I never in my life thought I would have really uh, had that kind of close contact with. Um, as I say, sometimes it made me feel like I was in the pages of a National Geographic magazine. It was just totally, totally fascinating and a great adventure. And uh, it's one of my it's one of my great memories.
0: Sounds exciting. Yeah. Uh, on the other side of that question, is there a story that you wish that you had covered differently? Maybe one you have regrets about.
1: Oh, interesting. I have to think about that. I'm sure there is. Um, I'm sorry, I just can't
0: come up with one <laughs> at the moment. I must be perfect. No problem. <laughs> we'll, uh, maybe we'll get back to that one. Okay. We can get another question. Hi, my name is Christine Barrandy. I'm a political science major and I'm a senior. Um, as I'm sure you know, Pandora is becoming more available in cars. How do you think this trend will affect the radio industry?
1: Okay, now I'm going to... Just be tell you I'm totally ignorant. I don't know what Pandora <laughs> is. What is Pandora? Uh
0: it's a website where you can listen to uh, a certain music channel, like a radio channel. You put in a song and it'll find related songs, you know. So I don't know. I okay. didn't know they were putting that in cars. Okay. But. Um all
1: right. Uh, well, I think <laughs> there you go. There's a generational divide that we have right there. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting being in radio right now because at a certain point we um, we were getting a little nervous uh, because everybody was telling us that uh, people your age, you know, of your generation, don't listen to the radio. Um, and uh, and at one point uh, when we were uh, having sort of discussions about. Uh, and NPR and its website and NPR's future, uh, somebody referred to radio as the legacy medium. And a number of us who have been around for a while felt like, what does that mean, the legacy medium? Does does that mean we're just being, going to be put out of business? But then we realized that there's always going to be an interest in audio content and that people your age just will listen to audio content from, from all kinds of devices and that we are the producers of audio content. So our job is to put out great audio content and to hope that people are going to access it in whatever way they want to. Um, if it's not by radio, then fine, let it be by Pandora, <laughs> whatever that is.
0: <laughs> Hi, this is Christine Barrandy again. My second question is, is NPR doing anything to attract a younger audience?
1: This is a really this is something that NPR is very interested in doing because we know that our audience is older, and we know that uh, to survive into the future, we we really have to attract uh, a younger audience. Um, I think specifically at this point, uh, I am not sure that there's any particular measure that's aimed directly at. Younger people. But I think that we've got some younger reporters who are trying to experiment a little bit with the way they present a story. We have um, this group of reporters who uh, have, call themselves Planet Money, and they've got a website. And um, they also report – they're reporting on the – economic grew out of the economic crisis. Um, and they're great storytellers. Sometimes they go out as a team and report. They're really good at explaining what happened with the economy and why. Um, they also have a blog. The Planet Money blog. Uh, I think those kinds of things, where we combine just the best of traditional reporting with, you know, good use of new media and um, just great storytelling, uh, we're hoping that those are the kinds of things that uh, young people will will be attracted to.
0: We can just take one more.
2: My name is Valerie Grant. I'm a senior at Rose Hill, a um, philosophy major. Um, I was wondering, what are the biggest challenges you faced? In the radio industry?
1: The biggest challenges I faced. Um, well, you know, I think over the years, as you're, uh, if you're, if you have a long career, um, you're working, uh, uh, you may have one job and you're interested in moving on to something else. You have to figure out what that's going to be. Uh, you have to, you know, uh, you have to, You always have to keep moving forward and you have to keep yourself fresh all the time and you have to figure out ways to do that. So I've always enjoyed doing different... I've worked at NPR for a long time, but I've done a lot of different jobs. I've been a newscaster, a host, a reporter. I've done different beats. And so any time that I get to a point where I feel like what I'm doing at that moment is, you know, I'm getting stale in it or it's not as interesting to me as it used to be, then you have to sort of think, well, what, you know, what's the next thing? And you have to work on that both within yourself and then, of course, within the organization. You have to work with people and say, what, what can I do next? Um, I, I think you, can, you have to com- continually tend your own career, let's put it that way.
0: I'm Lauren Namey on 90.7 WFUV, speaking with NPR correspondent for Books and Publishing, Lynn Neary, about her successful career in journalism. Stay with us. More forum Conversations is ahead. Who is WFUV? I am WFUV. You keep us on the air. I am WFUV. You keep the music playing. I am WFUV. It's all through you. Stand up and say, I am WFUV. Visit WFUV.org. I am WFUV
2: local businesses and organizations who support FUV know that corporate underwriting is a great way to get their message out while helping the station they love.
1: I'm Duncan Marshall, the assistant headmaster at the Knox School in St. James, New York. We are an independent school in Long Island, and we serve the greater Long Island and metropolitan New York community and beyond. We seek parents and students who value independent education,
2: and the audience of WFUV are just the type of families who are interested in what we have to serve. To learn more about how you can support WFUV as a corporate underwriter, email us at underwriting at WFUV.org, or call 718-817-4554 and ask for Shari Rosenasher. Lynn
0: Neary, you've won a lot of awards for your reporting, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting Gold Award, the Robert F. Kennedy Journalism Award, the Association of Women in Radio and Television Award. Any one award you're particularly proud of? Um, Well, you know, that
1: that RFK award, I think, is the one I'm I'm particularly proud of. That was the first big award I ever got. And that was an award I did when I I was hosting Weekend All Things Considered, where um, we reported on conditions in a housing project uh, in Washington, D.C., um that required us to keep going back we 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 went back a number of times um you know we found you know sort of this guy that, this drug addict just sort of lying in the hallways um we actually interviewed him you know and uh and we talked with uh tenants who were just afraid to leave their apartments and um so that that award was very that that, that piece was very important to me and um and uh it it you know reflected what i what I said at the beginning that I wanted to set out and do, which is to uh to do something that might have a good sort of social of, of effect on society and I guess that was that was one of those um those pieces
0: and you said that sort of social effect is what made you lean toward journalism when you were trying to figure out what you were doing, so I guess that's kind of a, a right. cool part of your career.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know that you actually, I don't know that you can measure the effect, but I think that it's that feeling that you, um, that you might shed light on something that otherwise nobody would know about. I guess that's really what I'm trying to say about that particular piece that, you know, this was people were living in terrible conditions. And uh, as a journalist, it was, it felt important to me to, to shed light on that for people to be aware of that
0: and Lynn NPR is a hugely well-known and well-respected news organization. What does what's it like to work there? It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time it's fun. I mean,
1: you know, any job has its has its has its moments, but um it's a, it's an extraordinary group of people, I have to say. Um uh it people who are very smart and very dedicated and um believe in the mission of the company, which is to uh, as I said, to shed light and 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 not too much heat, and um, uh, to to make people aware of what's going on in the world, uh, to inform the public, to educate the public. I think we all believe very strongly in that. So, the fact that we all sort of share a, a vision of of what we're doing as journalists, uh, I think is uh, is very important. And um, and there's a lot of very funny people there too, so we we have a good time.
0: And do you really feel that responsibility of this is NPR? You know, this is kind of almost the standard for journalism when you're working there? I,
1: I, as I said, I think there really is a sense of mission there that that, that, that most of the people who work there, that I'd say I, all the people who work there really share. And um, so, yeah, I think we do have a sense that we have a standard that we've set and that we want to maintain that standard.
0: Len, do you have a favorite news source? Where do you get your news? Um well, I get my news from National Public Radio, of course. <laughs> and uh,
1: I'm uh, I'm an old New York Times reader. My father, you know, was uh, a dedicated. He got the New York Times every day up until the day he died, literally. And uh, so I have a fondness for the New York Times. So I always read the New York Times. I read the Washington Post. Um, I try and read another major newspaper. Um, there's a lot of websites that I go to for for my beat. I go to Publishers Weekly. Um I like to go to websites like Salon and Slate and Politico. I you know the kinds of uh, uh the Daily Beast, Huffington Post sometimes. Um you know the usual the usual suspects. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. And uh I'm a journalism student here at Fordham and I always hear a lot about objectivity versus subjectivity. It's a big topic in classes. What's your take on opinions placed in the news?
1: I think that uh, we should really stick to the standards of uh, that have been uh, around for a long time for journalism. I think that um, objectivity means maintaining um, an open mind and setting out to report the news fairly. I think that when somebody has uh, been reporting on a subject and is very knowledgeable about that subject and has really done the background work on that subject, then um, they're in a position to give uh, an educated uh, analysis of that subject. Uh, but I think that uh, we have to be careful about uh, too much opinion. Um, masquerading is journalism because it's, it's opinion. It's not necessarily journalism.
0: Lynn, uh, for someone like me who's studying journalism, maybe thinking of it as a career, do you have any advice that you would give? I do give this advice to, to young people. Um, I
1: think that uh, going and working um, in a, in a smaller uh, town you're here. You are in New York city. It's the most exciting place in the world, but I think going and working, uh, you know, a small radio station or a small newspaper in a, you know, even a medium sized city, uh, I think it would give you a really fresh perspective. First of all, it's a great place to go and just learn the, the basics of, of journalism having to cover, um, you know, the meetings, the, the city council meetings, the board of education meetings, the county commissioner meetings, and the local news, uh, it it really gives you a, a good uh, education in journalism. It gives you a different perspective on uh, the way people in different parts of the country uh, view what's going on with government, what's going on with our policy. Um, it gives you a, a greater understanding of how our country works. So go outside the uh, the big city? I think it's a good idea. I think there's no, no harm in, in, in doing that. I mean, there's no harm in wanting to come back to the big city to work, but I think it's – I think it's a really good thing to to go to other parts of the country and see what it's like there.
0: My thanks to Lynn Neary, an NPR correspondent covering books and publishing. You can also regularly hear Lynn as a guest host on various NPR programs. I would also like to thank my producer Katie Moore and engineer Joe Grimaldi. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. You can hear Fordham Conversations every Saturday at 7 a.m. You can also friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or catch up on past shows with our weekly podcast. Stay with us. George Bodarchy and Cityscape are next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Lauren Namy.